Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the Irish Whiskey Magazine, the only magazine in the world dedicated to sharing the exciting news, lifestyle, and spirit of Irish whiskey. You can find out more at irishwhiskeymagazine.com and the Tour Glass a contemporary nosing and tasting glass, a symbol to unify Irish whiskey drinkers across the world. And you can find out more about this beautiful glass at toaglass.ie. Dave Glare Gokdena Falcha on Show A Potstill Radio. Ismishan Mayo Haley Nagoni, August Anu, Tomain Guntilu, Erin Dundalgan. Er on Gno Ansimul, Ak Neil Driglone, August Ni Choctobrana no Bondere Freshen. In fact, Tome can't Fuishke Ernach, August Tome Unsho Le Cobunator, na Irish Whiskey Auctions. Mr. Anthony Sheehy, Fultigadi Unsho, eh, Anthony? Thank you very much, Matt. So, welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. This is, in fact, the first episode of the year 2020, and I'm delighted to be sitting here in Dundalk in County Louth. Actually, the first time we have uh, recorded a podcast from the Republic side of the border counties, so I'm delighted to be here as a first. And I am in what I have to say is a very interesting side of the Irish whiskey industry. As you may have heard earlier, neither a distillery, nor a bonder, nor a pub, as many of our other podcast episodes have been. But in fact, we are here in Ireland's first Irish whiskey auction site. So, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate it. You're very welcome here to Dundalk. I suppose a great way to start uh, this podcast would be for anyone out there listening who, I suppose, doesn't know what Irish whiskey auctions is. Can you give us a a brief rundown of of what you guys are up to and how long you've been doing it for? So, we are the first Irish whiskey auction website based in Ireland. we, we set ourselves up, um, a lot of your listeners would probably be familiar with a lot of the UK websites or European websites that run auctions uh, on a monthly basis. I myself was a, a, a customer of many of them for, for years. Um, seen a bit of an opportunity that there was nothing here uh, actively promoting Irish whiskey. So we thought, how hard can it be? Um, I now know how hard it can be. And uh, <laughs> if I had known then what I know now. But uh, yeah, we, we set ourselves up. So we, we built a, an online auction website, a bit of bespoke software. So people submit bottles to us. None of these bottles are our own. We photograph them, document them, and then upload them onto the website. And once a month, we have a, an auction that goes live. Lasts for nine days. People bid on it. They register to bid on the auctions and they bid on it. Highest bidder gets it as long as it breaches the reserve. And then we send them the bottles. So that's nice and straightforward. We've hopefully streamlined the process, but it, it seems to work. So I noticed uh, you made a very intentional point that you don't own any of those bottles. Was yeah. that uh, something that the state or revenue was very interested in at in the beginning? Uh, it, it was one of the things that we, we we struggled explaining to them. I mean, even the whole concept was new. So they they really didn't get it. I mean, and they still don't, I think, to a, to a point. But we had to sort of explain the business model. We, we had to explain that we don't sell bottles. I mean, nobody can walk in our front door, buy a bottle of whiskey like a conventional business of what you know. You'd 
are aware of distilleries and the, the obstacles they had recently with being able to sell their own juice. We didn't we didn't sell anything. We don't own anything. And we thought this is what sort of set us apart from a conventional alcohol-related business. Revenue didn't quite agree, I think is the best way to describe it. So we we uh, we had to get a license. It was it was uh, it was. We... Well, I, I imagine I imagine anyone really dealing with alcohol somewhere along the line has to get a license. But if you were the first whiskey site for auctioning, you know, spirits in Ireland, what license do you even get? Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. They don't know, strangely enough. So when we submitted all the... So when I originally had the the, the, the brainwave of having this business, uh, January 21st, 2018 is when I actually had the brainwave. We had bought a bottle from another auction website in the UK or in Germany, I believe, and it had got seized by customs coming in. And we were in Mulligan's Whiskey Shop in Clarendon Street in Dublin talking to one of the guys, Stuart, I believe. He he claims the glory in here. Uh, we were standing talking to him. We were just saying about the bottle being seized. It was a gift for Katie's dad. And he said, it's a shame there's not one in Ireland. And I went, it is, isn't it? Taught not more of it. Driving home the road and head swirling as it as it does. And I went, it is, isn't it? Why isn't there an auction website in Ireland? How hard can it be? Um, came home that night, started looking. I mean, literally started looking that night, the Sunday the 21st of January. Started looking, knew that there wasn't one because if, if there had been one, I would have been using it myself. So I would have been familiar with it. There wasn't. Ended up registering the domains, set up the Facebook page, set up the Instagram page, set up Twitter, set up all the social medias. Started telling the world that we were going to have this great, fantastic auction website. And I think a lot of people's reactions were, who's this idiot? Where does he think he's going with no bell on his bike? So we went to... The local sergeant here in town uh, went to Revenue and went to my solicitor and asked him the question of, do I need a license to do this? Uh, local sergeant came back and said, no, you're not selling drink. He said, his understanding of it was. The solicitor looked into it and he sort of came back and said, I don't know, but I don't think so. Revenue came back with, we don't think so. Then Revenue came back not long afterwards, I think about three weeks, two weeks, three weeks, not to slag them off. Nothing gets done today or tomorrow. It gets done in their time scale. They came back with the answer of, well, you do need a license. I said, that's great. What license do I need? And they said, well, we don't know. And I said, that's great. How do we find out? Has to go to Dublin Castle. Has to be an investigation. Fill in all this paperwork in triplicate and submit it four times and we'll consider looking at it. So did all that. Then they came back and they said, well, you need a spirit retailer's off license. And I said, that's great. How do I get that? And they said, well, you need planner permission. I sort of the conversation went, lads, you know it's a website I'm building. So how do I get planner permission for a website? And not a word of lie, their answer was, that's not our problem, that's yours. So <laughs> Welcome uh, to Ireland. Yeah, welcome to <laughs> Ireland. Uh so that was uh, I had to set about trying to set it up, so ended up so did you get planning permission for a website? Didn't get a planning permission. Uh, strange <laughs> That's enough, strange, yeah, isn't it? I, I bamboozled an awful lot of people. Um, web developers looked at me as if I was speaking Klingon because when I asked them, you know, and um, will this new website have planning permission? You could just see the bewilderment in their face. One of the one of the big questions actually with revenue was where will the web where will the auction take place? And I said, well, the auction will take place online. Yeah, but where will it take place? I said, well, it'll be online. I said, it's 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 online. Yeah, but it has to take place somewhere. And I said, you're not getting this. I said, this isn't somebody sitting 
with a gavel going sold to that man and with number 44. I said, this is online. I said, it's like eBay. Yeah, but it has to take place somewhere. We went, we must have played tennis with this thing about four times and I kept answering the same question. It's not anyone. And in the end, I said, you know, if you want to be pedantic, I said, one of my servers is in Dublin and one is in Belfast. And the answer I got was, Belfast, that's a different jurisdiction. You'll have to get a different license down there. So again, they just didn't understand it all. So it was just different. It was it was challenging, I think is the best way to describe it. Okay, so no no planning permission was was got for a website. But we have finally got the licensing that we need for the website. Absolutely. Yeah, so, it was a challenge. <laughs> it was a challenge. It was a challenge. So from kickoff, how did the first auctions look or leading the first auctions into kind of where we are now like what what kind of growth and i suppose engagement have we seen huge i mean i would be guilty of having a bucket load of naivety at the start i mean i initially thought we done we don't sat down and done business projections and all that sort of stuff and uh, when i originally so i with my other business i had mentioned that i was planning to do this to alan campbell and the bankers so Alan and Willie are, have been both customers of my other business for years. And I mentioned to them that it, I had this fantastic brainwave. At this stage, I had told the world on Facebook that I was doing this sort of thing. And it was only afterwards that I started realizing how difficult it was. So I mentioned it to them that this is what I was going to do. They said they wanted to be involved. I said, that's great. You know, again, it gave me credibility, I think, with the, the two having the two guys on board because I came out of nowhere. I, I don't do whiskey societies. I don't do tastings. I do my own thing. I always have. And and people have to trust us. I mean, that's predominantly the biggest thing because they've, they're giving us, some people are giving us tens of thousands. You've seen. I'm literally staring at a massive wall of Middleton. Very yeah. Rare. So you, you've seen <laughs> the bottles that people give us. Yeah. So people have to trust us. So there was a trust element in that. And I thought if having the likes of Willie Ahern from the Palace Bar involved, people would say, well, look, it's, it's a legit business. It's not Mickey Mouse. So having them on board with us, we had to do business plans and business projections. And I've never done anything like that. And I'm very much a fly by the seat of me pants guy. So we sat down and we done business plans and we, we drew it all up. And we said, look, if we get 100 bottles in our first auction, happy days. If we add 25 bottles per month, again, end of year one, we lose some money. But again, that's there'll be a lot of capital investment two and three will kick on and so on we looked historically at the uk auction sites what numbers they done i mean whiskey auctioneer one of the biggest ones started off with 130 bottles in the first auction in 2013 so again i'd looked at all those figures and seen that we blew past our projections within six months so we blew our three-year projections clean out of the water within six months we (laughs) myself and katie we didn't know what we were doing. It, it's not that we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were getting into, I think is the, the correct way of saying it. We were drowning in whiskey. We had more bottles here. Our first auction, we had 167 bottles. Our second auction, we had 252. Our third auction, we had 300 and something. So instead of adding 20 bottles per auction, we were adding 100 bottles per auction. And again, for most people who maybe aren't familiar, we are very hands-on. Every single bottle that you see on the website is exactly the bottle that you're getting. So hang on. So I send you a bottle. You right? send me a bottle? I Depending on how I get here. Imagine I drive from my little house in, in Dublin and I drive up to here to Dundalk and I hand you the bottle. Yep. It's now out of my possession. 
Run me through what happens. So again, you have a docket that's filled in that on receipt of the bottle here to say that we've got the bottle, we've now got custody, the details of the bottle, if it's got a bottle number. So you, for your own records and for your own security, whether you're using here or whether you're using our depot in, in uh, Mulligan's in Dublin or Bradley's in Cork, you get the same docket. They'll fill one in for you and, and so on. It comes in here, it gets inspected, looked at to make sure that it's not broken or anything wrong with it. Seal's not broken, seal is intact. It's then entered into our database. It's given a unique ID, so a lot number. That lot number is its one thing that's coming right throughout the whole thing. So it knows that that's Matt Healy's bottle. That goes back to him. It came into us on such and such a date. It came through so Mulligan's. All, all of the information. All of the information, that, exactly. It's all recorded in that. It then goes down to our, our bottom room and it gets photographed. So every bottle gets photographed. If there's any distinguishing marks or if there's any negative marks on it, they get photographed. Signatures or what? Signatures, uh, bottle numbers, all that sort of stuff. It gets photographed. We then take that bottle, upload it onto the website. Each bottle is individually uploaded at the minute. It's, that's why it's so time-consuming and so labour-intensive here because every bottle is written individually. The notes are written individually. And then it's uploaded to the website. So we can upload currently. We have an auction going live on Friday. We are uploading the bottles ahead of that. But it's a slow process and it, there's, there's a fair bit of work. How many bottles are going live on Friday then? We're probably heading for the 800 mark. Wow, that is a long way from your 100 beginnings. Absolutely. I mean, we've we've grown, I mean, in, in so much context. I mean, I think a lot of the people didn't know what to expect with us initially. Uh, didn't know what to expect of this idiot that's telling everybody he's creating uh, Irish whiskey auctions. And I got a fair bit of negative uh, feedback at the start. And who am I? And what gave me this God-given right to do this business? And my answer was, I'm just an idiot who thought it was a good idea. We didn't know what to expect. I mean, even to, to storing the bottles, the amount of bottles. You can see we've invested heavily in here in security. I mean, we've when you've got all the bottles that you've got. We've got 700 cameras on that screen outside. Exactly. <laughs> all the rooms have access control, so you can't get in unless you've got a swipe card. The rooms themselves, we actually, one of the things we don't, we've got bulletproof glass put on the inside of the windows where our whiskey is held. So it's safe. Insurance, I mean... I'm sure people are aware of insurance uh, rising costs in Ireland. So you can imagine when you go to them, listen, lads, I have a great idea. I'm going to hold other people's valuable whiskey and uh, will you come up with a price for me on that? Uh, they did all right. They came back with a fairly uh, creative price. So we, we've had to invest heavily in that. We've staff. I mean, we're now at six staff. We, we started off with myself and Kate doing everything, literally doing everything from photographing the bottles and i mean anybody who if you look back on our on our website you can see the evolution of even the photography that i had no photography skills i barely knew how to turn one on and getting the photograph of the bottle right the right lighting and all that and all the little nuances of that to now we have a, a guy mark duffy who works for us mark is a celebrated photographer in his own right and as has published books and everything else and he is now our in-house photographer and graphic designer so um We've grown immensely and and it's all thanks to people engaging with us. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that we're surprised by, that people people are just, just are engaging with us. They're talking to us. They're coming up, meeting us. They enjoy coming up here. I mean, well, what, what do you think sets, I suppose, sets you apart from, say, if I'm sitting in you know Dublin or Cork, what sets you apart from the UK auction sites or the German auction sites? <clears throat> A couple of things. I think that with the restrictions that have been imposed now with shipping alcohol and all that, they were always there. I mean, there was anybody who thinks that they weren't there was kidding themselves. 
but now they've started to enforce it a lot more. I mean, Parcel Motel stopped. I mean, they always had it in their T's and C's that you, they wouldn't ship alcohol, but then now all of a sudden they've stopped or revenue customs are, are stopping the bottles. So I think that maybe helped us a little. The fact that people come up here and they can walk in the door, they can see who they're giving the bottles to. Me and Katie try and uh, deliberately, we sort of try and get ourselves out there so that people can meet us and see that we're just two normal people that have thought this was a good idea and, and, and ran with it. Even after the auction ends, I mean, people come up here and they collect their bottles after the auction ends, cut down on shipping costs. I mean, um, again, a bottle from the UK can be 25 euro and it adds significant cost Especially to, if you're buying a 20 quid or 40 quid bottle, yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah, you're yeah, jumping price exactly, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of that is, has changed. But I think just the personal approach is just, we're just two people who sort of, as I say, who thought it was a good idea. Still do think it's a good idea. But just at the time, I think there was a load more naivety that we thought it was a good idea. So so one of the things you were saying was when the bottles come through the door for you, you inspect them for, I suppose, imperfections and, and that the likes of that. What happens if you find a bottle that, say, you deem not fit for either auction or shipping? What, mm-hmm. what happens at that point? We revert back to the seller. You always revert back. I mean, ultimately, the seller's in control. Whoever owns the yeah. bottle, the owner of the bottle, is ultimately in control. I mean, we're doing things at their behest. We we hope that they listen to our best advice. I mean, it doesn't always work. I mean, reserves is one of the things that we struggle with. But, I mean, we've had a few instances where, where bottles have come in and just didn't add up to us we're blessed we've built a, a good network of of guys whiskey lovers out there your namesake pot still will will murphy leo feeling a few guys that are genuinely have been great to us endless fountains of knowledge so we can phone up them and say look i've got a bottle here or or michael fogarty and mulligans or any of them or even the scenario where we send them bottles so if it's flagged to me initially initially in the first days it was me doing it but now because we've got staff, they flag it to me if they're not entirely convinced of something. I'm sure they're passing us through enough bottles in their hands. Yeah, start, yeah, they'll, that's they'll pick the thing. out yeah. little things. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing, and you you become familiar with them and what to look for and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, some of the ones that have been flagged or I've seen myself have been, I mean, comical is, is the best way. Super glue and seals back closed and stuff like that. And in some instances, I I don't think it was deliberate. I think it was just. Some of the seals on the older bottles, the ring seals, are so delicate, so fragile that you, you hold the bottle incorrectly, you handle it incorrectly, you'll break the seal. And guys have tried to salvage. The other side of that, it could be nefarious, it could be somebody putting tea in a bottle and when you see the value of it, I mean, there was uh, recently in the UK, they've done a, a bit of a survey that some of the high-end bottles, 30,000 euro bottles or 30,000 pound bottles were fakes. It's, it's a, a big concern for us going forward. Yeah, actually, on, on that point, uh, I know there was a, a distillery recently that a bottle showed up somewhere that someone was selling it privately. And uh, one of the things I noticed was the, uh, the actual color of the liquid was like way off. Yeah. You know, it was it was completely way off. So I think the person was trying to sell for whatever amount. And I know the distillery got in contact with them, swapped it, basically just said like, that's highly suspicious that this doesn't look right at all and they agreed with the seller that they'd swapped them out like a a better version or a better bottle or whatever and they got the bottle back 
And I remember being told they opened it and it was a very spirituous, lightly peated Scotch blend yeah. in, in the bottle. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it, it's probably going to happen more and more if the truth be known. I mean, as Irish whiskey increases in value, I mean, that's the terrifying factor. I mean, how long before somebody gets their hands on an empty bottle of peril and, and, and refills it? I mean... That's it's a real world problem. It's a real world concern. So yeah, it's worrying. I don't know what the answers is, and I mean, look, proper counterfeiters. We'll get past you anyway. We'll get past you anyhow. I mean, you can have all the systems in place to to to, to ID them, to track them, to see them. But I, I I I've always had the idea of is an empty bottle should be marked in some way, shape, or form with a sort of incandescent mark or a pen. I mean, if every if, uh, if genuine whiskey collectors had them, and when they emptied a bottle, they X on it or something like that, that it only showed up and it was permanent and it only showed up under UV or something like that. It's a way of 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 counter you know countermanding it. Now, I mean, anybody who's seen there was a wine. Did you ever see that wine film? It's on Netflix, and this guy in in America and he was going to all these wine auctions and he was he was selling high end wines and he, you know. Somebody started to raise a few flags about it. And when they actually did end up raiding him, he went to his house and he'd printers and he'd fridge full of stuff. The clever part about him was he was replicating the taste of, so he'd taste a, a high-end wine. He'd get a couple of cheap bargain dollar wines, replicate the, the taste to a point, put it in the bottles, do the seals, do the whole lot. So if somebody opened it, it probably would taste like it, but it just wasn't it. Some of the one big collector and he had millions of pounds, he was a fantastic uh, wine seller. And it was full of, I think something like 10% of his stock was counterfeit that he'd bought through this guy. <laughs> millions. It was not, not to give people ideas about whiskey. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it's going to happen. I mean, the yeah. scotch, scotch, it, scotch is, is ripe in it. I mean, and the only the saving grace I think that we have is that it's, there's a bit of credibility. If something happens somewhere in the in the food chain, as I describe it, so if somebody gets a bottle from us and it's not right, they can come back to us and they we can go back to the seller and we've full uh, transparency all the way through. You know that we can see everything that's happening. We can see who's bidding on all the items, so we can go back to a seller and we can say, look, that bottle we got from you. We don't pay our sellers till five days, at least five days after the buyer has received the bottle. Because he has five days just to register any discrepancies that he may have of what we describe on the website as to what he's received. So there is a bit of security there. Whereas I often was concerned about guys buying and selling stuff in in you know on, on Facebook or these other groups that it could be just a bit sketchy. You don't. I, I suppose as, as long as guys were using their genuine names on Facebook and genuine IDs, it was okay. But some weren't. So yeah. You don't know who you're buying from. So is it just bottles you get here, or I'm looking at a, a very large decorative mirror behind you, so I'm assuming um, there's, there's more than just bottles of whiskey coming through the door? There always was a plan. I mean, we always thought that memorabilia would stand up on its own, that other spirits would stand up on their own. So there always was a plan that we were going to do a memorabilia website, uh, a brandy or a cognac website in Ireland as well. That there was the demand there for it. I, I've fair few cognacs myself so and brandies so there always was a plan to do that as well we introduced them early the memorabilia and the cognacs and stuff just to sort of see was the appetite there the memorabilia has really taken off i mean 
some of the stuff that's sold on the website is 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 crazy, is cool. Different stuff come true. You get ashtrays, you get old trays, you get mirrors, you get a bit of everything. So it's it's it just adds to the intrigue of the website. I think a lot of guys are enjoying it as well. More and more, uh, more and more whiskey collectors have home bars. Uh, I think that's something that's changed in the last, you know, after the recession. I think a lot of guys had home bars. So they're now stocking it with whiskey, whereas beforehand it was a couple of tins of beer because everybody was broken. We didn't have a fiver. Whereas now they're starting to put their Middletons and their, their Teelings and their uh, Redbreast bottles and, and their Whistler bottles up as well. So everybody's starting to populate their, their home bars with better whiskey. So they want the mirrors, they want the, the drip trays, they want the glasses, they want the optics. And we're just going to provide them. As long as they keep buying them, we'll keep selling them. So I'm, I'm currently staring at what must be a, a three foot by four foot mirror behind you. How how difficult or what challenges does shipping memorabilia and the ephemera pose compared to the bottles? Because I'm sure with the bottles, you're afraid of them breaking the liquid going everywhere. But I'm sure shipping a large mirror mm. or even a small mirror for that point or, you know, optics or anything like that. Must... Seven years bad luck. Yeah, yeah. Seven years bad luck. That's, <laughs> that's what my mammy always said. Some items would have restrictions on them. I mean, some items will actually put it on the website that shipping restrictions apply because collection on as you said exactly. Yeah, we have we've the whiskey wagon there, we've the van, and I mean we will facilitate people as best we can. We are constantly driving all around the country, so if we can facilitate people, we will. That's one of the things I think people enjoy about us that you know they can phone me up and say, "Well, look, Anthony, I'm not finished work till five o'clock of an evening." Can I come up the road to you and to drop off bottles? And we'll just go, yeah, come ahead. We don't live a million miles away from here, so or no or worries. like tonight, I can't come up to five yeah, o'clock even to record exactly. a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we like to facilitate. We like to be. Uh, we like to help people out. I mean, look, it is what it is. I mean, any new business, any startup business has got to do these things. I think, and and we pride ourselves on being able to do it. So you're saying you have the whiskey wagon outside, you're driving all over the country. Explain the depots to me. Where did this risk idea come from? Because this is actually, I think, a fantastic idea. Um, I'm quite intrigued by this part. Yeah. We've never spoken about this yeah. before. Yeah. So, How did the depots come about? Uh, the depots came about... So the two depots are Mulligan's Whiskey Shop in, in Dublin. Dublin. We have Bradley's off-license in North Main Street in Cork. We have a depot in Belfast. It's actually just a person who down there who facilitates us, Paul O'Can, who runs the Northern Ireland Whiskey Club and the Belfast Whiskey Club. Paul facilitates me and meets up with people who want to drop bottles to him. And then we also have a UK shipping address for people shipping bottles from the UK to us because it's considerably cheaper for them to send to NI than it is to send, send to the Republic. So we, we I'm assuming well. close enough. To the border that I felt I could drive across. <laughs> we, we might have to get our visa stamped now in a few weeks' time with this old Brexit thing. But like, so it's, or, it's good at that frictionless border, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Or we'll be back to the good old days of turn the lights off in the oak and drive like hell. <laughs> I'm too young to remember that, obviously. We, how did the depots came about? The depots came about of just necessity. You've, I think as any business will attest, you've got to try and have no barriers to people doing business with you. And not everybody are comfortable about packaging a bottle. Not everybody can lay their hands on packaging, packaging for, a for a bottle. So you've got to try and make it as easy as possible. So is somebody in Cork going to drive up to Dundalk to deliver bottles? Possibly, but more than likely not. Is somebody in Dublin going to get into yeah, their car? Yeah, well, drive is, up is somebody in Drada? I mean, yeah. that's what you've got to, you've really got to ask the questions. So 
Michael Fogarty in Mulligans, again, in, as part of the brainwaves and as part of the relationships that we had in with Dublin Republicans, we spoke to Michael about it and Michael was all on board. Michael sort of sees it as, again, just expanding the, the, the whiskey business, the whiskey entity itself as a whole. And he facilitates me and they've been very good to me and Bradley's and Cork, Michael then and Bradley's and Cork as well. So people can walk in there with their bottles, leave their bottles with them, fill in the form and, and that's it. We then collect it from them at, at uh, various intervals um, before our closing dates for our auctions. So again, it's just to try and make it easy for people to do business with you. I mean, it adds, I mean, Saturday gone, I left Dundalk just after 9 a.m. And I got back here, I think about 10 p.m. that night and covered 850 or 860 kilometers. So we, we had uh, Kilkenny and we'd Care and we'd Cork and we'd Yall and we'd a few, fair few calls to do. And But again, I just deem it as part of the business and part of the service. I always imagine people starting their own business think, it's going to be great, I'll work for myself, I'll have all the time yeah. in the world, Some, <laughs> choose, done, choose somebody, my errors. Somebody done a, somebody done a, a, a post on uh, Twitter the other day and said something similar, you know, this great idea of starting your own business. I'm sure a lot of the, the distillery guys have, have let that, like, I mean, you imagine PJ or, or uh, Brendan Carty up in, in Cologne or any of these small distilleries that have really thought, Yes, I'd love the, the romance of my own distillery and I'll make my own juice and I'll, I'll sell it all around the world and I'll be a millionaire and I'll get to sip whiskey and here, there and everywhere. And sadly, it's 18, 16, 18 hour days and, and, and little or no sleep. And, and I think one, particularly with distilleries, I think one of the things that so people don't think about unless they're really actively digging into distilleries, yeast doesn't stop. Like, you can't tell you it's just the weekend. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, oh, it's Thursday, 6. Yes. I'm going to take a long weekend. You guys just bubble away there for a while. Nobody Look tell you that. it's only 9 to 5 here. And, yeah, no, and, and there's loads of things of that. I mean, there's loads of add-ons to the businesses that, look, I've been in business. I've been self-employed for years. This has brought a new level to, to everything. I mean, stuff that I never dreamed of. It's never crossed your radar of, of, of... I'm now more... Au fait with technical terms of internets and servers and Googles and Facebooks and, and all these other things that I, I'm an idiot. I keep telling people I'm an idiot. They won't believe me. You know? <laughs> well, you keep running successful whiskey sites, you'll be, yeah. you'll be all right. <laughs> so, actually, speaking about that, I think sometimes uh, whiskey auction sites around the world can be plagued with capacity and server issues when it comes to perhaps the last 10, 15 minutes, an hour an of an auction. How, how do you mitigate that? Because I imagine ser- like rent- server rental companies don't want you renting servers by the terabyte by the 10 minutes just you, to facilitate you can, an auction. You can. There, there is loads of, I mean, the world has evolved. And I mean, the world is evolving so quickly in the technical world that you can have cloud-based solutions. The likes of Amazon or any of these big companies have got uh, clouds and it's literally by the minute. So you can contact them and say, listen, I need more capacity now. The problem with that is not instant and there's still a fair amount of shoot in the dark. We might need this or we might need that. Now, not saying that that's not where we've been as well, but it's not. And and the engineering and cost involved in that for them to upscale the, the, the capacity and to then down it after the auction ends is 
more or less the same as having servers on all the time. I mean, we're paying considerable sums of money every month for essentially an hour and a half every month. Um, and then that is the last hour and a half. That is the last hour and a half, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the last auction, we were getting 400 hits per second, which is phenomenal numbers. I mean, I, I this isn't truth. I was so concerned about this that we've been throwing capacity. Our first auction crashed. We made no, uh, I'm not disguising the fact of it. We went to the server company and we said, look, this is what we're planning to do. And he went, ah, yeah, you need this, 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 and this. And I went, no, you sure? I said, because I, I know the UK ones be fairly under demand. He goes, no, no, you'd be dead on. Not a chance. It didn't stand a chance. I think we'd one server, six cores, it crashed once it got loaded up at all. And I, we were fairly unknown at that stage. And it crashed. We got rather irate uh, social media uh, posts. We got rather irate phone calls and we, we dealt with it all. One of the things that happened after that was I swore it would never happen again. Our site would never crash again. Now we've come very close to the wire on a few occasions. Our software was so badly written initially from the, we just bought off the shelf software and we dickied around with it, bastardized it, I think is my word. I love that word, bastardizes. So we dickied around with it and it was never really right from the start. It didn't suit exactly what we wanted to do. And it was never designed to do what it's actually doing now currently. And, and a lot of the other auction sites, I mean, I can see the similarities in a lot of them that they're the same, same thing, that they've retrofitted something to do that it was never meant to do, never meant to cope with the capacity. It's meant to be an eBay type platform that the load is spread over, you know, several days instead of that one truncated half hour or hour. So we kept up in the bandwidth and we keep up in the bandwidth. I mean, so much so that it caused me concern. We were paying out a rather significant amount of money every month. I questioned it. I got all the right answers back, which I thought were the right answers. And technical terms, oh, it's this and it's this and it's this. And he, he could have been speaking Hindu to me. I hadn't a clue. So I actually got an independent guy in and I said to him, I said, look, this is what I've got. I said, I've got, I think at the time we had nine servers, nine servers, 96 cores or whatever the case may be. And he said, you've what? I said, yes. He said, you couldn't have. I said, I have. I said, look, there's the invoice. He said, yeah, but the invoice might say that, but you haven't got that. He said, you've been robbed. And I went, that's why I'm getting you involved because I'm just not 100% sure myself. So he, he investigated that and he got access to the whole servers and everything else. And he came back. He says, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. He said, I've never seen traffic so random. He says, you can't predict it. He says, how can you build for anything like that? Because it's woof. And you try and have, you've all the proxy bidding and you've all the slick things and you're posting every month and get your bids in early, get your bids in early. But lads are still leaving it till the last second and hitting Sniper, enter, 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 sniper, sniper bidding. And, but the thing about <laughs> it is, I mean, we've always said from the start, we've had the software from the start. You can't snipe on our website because... It, does it elongate the, elongates the auction? Yeah. Uh, we differ from a lot of the UK auction sites is that when a, a bid is put in in the last five minutes or whatever their term is, it extends the entire catalogue. Whereas with ours, it only extends the individual lot. And the reason was that I'd done that was a bit of market research through talking to people. But then even my own experience of, I, I remember sitting up till two or three o'clock in the morning. You'd be bidding on stuff and, you know, the whole entire, because some agents bidding on a bottle of Macallan at 150,000 and, 
I'm here with my bottle of Tyrconnell for, for 15 euros and I sort of know that nobody's going to outbid me but I just can't sleep because <laughs> somebody's going to bid 17 euros and outbid me. So I, I just went, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So we, we changed how the auction works and we, that's how why ours ends when it ends instead of uh, going on until two o'clock in the morning. Now, some guys might appreciate it because the amount of stuff we get, uh, guys come in there after bidding in the auction and they're, geez, I was drinking last night when I was bidding in your auction. What did I buy? Well, it's all there in your dashboard. Yeah, but did I pay too much for that? I said, well, no, it is what it is. It's relative. Yeah, it's all relative. (laughs) How drunk were you? Oh, I was fairly on it. Ah, well, then you did probably overpay. But uh, that seems to be the the pattern with a lot of guys. I I myself have done the, the, I suppose, the opposite. I've I've had a look at some online bids uh, or auctions from uh, European sites where you can put in your current bid and a a Max max bid. And I put it in at the start and I see five bottles of Irish whiskey I want and I bid on all of them. And then I assume I'll be bid out on three or four of them and I'll come back and I'll check in and I'll mm. bid on the one I want. And then <laughs> three weeks later, a box comes in the post with five bottles of whiskey and now I've spent like 300 quid by complete accident. <laughs> and, no one, and I wasn't paying attention in the slightest. No a, one bid over me. I had a guy uh, only uh, two weeks ago and he was talking to me about something similar to that. And he actually had his uh, PayPal account or his credit card linked to the account. And it was one of these in-demand bottles that was going for sale for an exclusive period of time. And obviously, as as is the case, as Redbreast have seen themselves, bid, 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 bid. Every fella's trying to buy the bottles. Site slows down. He kept hitting enter. And next minute, he sort of gets an email the following morning. And congratulations on your 10 bottles. And it was like... I only wanted one and he got his 10 bottles so that's uh, yeah it can be the online thing is, is can be uh, great and it can be wrong in so many ways it's a it's a, a word of warning to anyone who wants to have a, a Tashcon while, yeah. while they bid <laughs> and, and there's more and more guys are doing that I think we perhaps we try to mitigate that because we end at 7pm on a Sunday night and we're sort of hoping that nobody's generally too much on the wagon at that stage. I mean, we could push it out to nine o'clock and to be well oiled, and then we'd have, you know, ten thousand euros for a bottle of uh, uh, a Tullamore Jew. But it'd be all good. I also think like seven p.m. on a Sunday puts you into most time zones. Pretty like save maybe Australia, but you've got most of the European continent, but you also have most of North America North at that point yeah. as well, which I imagine. If you're looking at those two sides, it's probably a large chunk of the business. Yeah, well that and that's what we again. That was part of the thought process as well as is trying to get it in the right time. I don't think there's any right time. I don't think there's any wrong time. People have come to us since we started saying you should end at this time, or I think it might be better if you ended at this time. But it's there's so many different websites out there now, and guys are following most of them. Most of the guys who are involved in the in the whiskey collection. Are, are following them all so they're all aware of when they all close we still get people going why does yours end again and why are you doing it on sunday night at seven o'clock and you just got to go look it is what it is we, we it could be monday at 1am if they were really prudent like you they do the proxy bidding put it in on a, <laughs> on a sunday night when they're well oiled or saturday night when they're well oiled put a thousand euro cap on it and she'll never be outbid it'll be grand so you're saying we're you're seeing um different types of spirits coming through here as well as the ephemera and the memorabilia what kind of markets are you looking at in terms of places you're actually receiving bids from because i'm sure perhaps you'll be able to see where the bids are actually coming from but i'm sure you'll definitely be see where the bottles are being sent to 
We we have visibility of both. Uh, you can see what a bids out. Users having to register on the website, you can see who they are, and you know if you're bothered, you can look and see exactly where they live and all that sort of stuff. We have nifty bit of software that's there on the on the site that monitors all the bids and tracks all the bids. Bit obviously sellers can't bid on their own stuff, but we've also got a bit of software that try and identify uh, friends and family of bidders to try and cut out the, the shell bidding. It doesn't work all the time, but hopefully it gets most of them. Um, we've had to have a word of warning with a few people. Um, <laughs> you're not allowed to bid on your own stuff. Stop that. Um, Stop setting up second accounts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we know your real name isn't isn't Matilda, Matt. You know, you don't be using that Cost. as an excuse. Oh, yeah, rapid. Exactly. <laughs> it's everywhere. And I mean, that's the thing. That's the great thing about the, the position we're in at the minute is the markets are growing everywhere, uh, as I'm sure you're aware. I mean, Irish whiskey is just, there's an appetite for it worldwide. We are different from distilleries. We're different from brands that are trying to sell a particular product into a particular market. We're trying to sell everything to everybody. I mean, I don't care who we sell it to or where we sell it to. I mean, you know, you're aware of it. But I mean, one of the things that we actively want to do is we want to spread the good word of Irish whiskey. I mean, that's part of my modus operandi is to try and get as much you know everybody involved because it's a rising tide lifts all boats and that's what i keep saying you know i keep saying it that if everybody sings off the same hymn sheet if we're all promoting irish whiskey and saying it's the next big thing we get back to i think where we belong i mean irish whiskey ruled the world it did rule the world and we just fell apart and not we fell apart but circumstances conspired against us to, to cause us to fall apart and we fell apart ourselves so i mean we we can do as much business as as possible some jurisdictions are hard to ship into i mean switzerland you can't ship alcohol into it i'm sure you're aware i mean america as i often describe nevada the things you can do i, I how i describe las vegas is that everything that you can imagine doing and things that you can't imagine doing you can do in las vegas but you can't send a bottle of whiskey into them. You're not allowed to ship into Nevada. So it's a, it's a weird one. Ah, there's, there's loads of places. Norway, we, we've done one of our first bottles in there in Norway there recently, which was a bit of a challenge. Shipping companies are the, are the biggest challenge. I mean, they don't they don't want to touch the stuff. They don't want to touch alcohol. They don't want to touch glass. They don't want to touch liquid. So convincing them that it's the right thing to do. And shipping companies, uh, I know from professional uh, standpoint, shipping companies can get your stuff there intact about... 65 70% of the time so you got to be very careful what you're sending We've which i find being blessed i mean again we invested heavily in the packaging i mean <laughs> funny story we when we were uh, looking into the packaging we wanted to try and be as as event, environmentally conscious as possible katie insisted upon it so we went to one of the companies and he suggested paper to us and i said there's no way i'm wrapping bottles of whiskey Valuable bottles of whiskey and paper. He said, no, it'll be fine. And I'm, no, 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 we're not wrapping bottles of whiskey and paper. So we brought down some bottles to him. He took one of them. He wrapped it in in, in, our, in the packaging that we now subsequently use. He was on the ground, had the box, and he closed the box over. And he literally bent over and just threw the box up in the air. And I had a bottle of, I think it was a bottle of Michael Collins in it. Because I was showing, demonstrating that no two bottles are the same. All in various different shapes and sizes. And there was a bottle of Michael Collins single malt in it. And it just grabbed it, threw it up in the air, in the warehouse, came down and bang. And I went, Christ over Michael. 
went over, he picked it up, opened it up. It was fine. It it had survived. And any guy, any sales rep who had the confidence in his product that he could do that with somebody else's product won me over straight away. So we we brought that in. Uh, It's a RAN pack machine from literally random packaging. So it creates the the packaging that we need. Um, Try not to use bubble wrap. Try not to use plastic. Just from an environmental point of view. So, and again, we've strangely enough, some of the packaging that people have sent bottles back to us have had our packaging around it. So it obviously is recyclable and is reusable and is is very good. So we're happy with that. Yep, uh, I've I have received bottles from auction sites before and definitely held onto the packaging. <laughs> yes. A lot of people do actually, and it's handy. It is handy. Some of them inflatable. It's the only problem with some of the inflatables getting the bottles out of them. Yeah, you, you really need to pop them, and some of the some of the labeling is really susceptible to, to marks and and, and, and tears and yeah, and exactly. So, yeah, so you really got to be careful. But uh, as a general rule, we've been we've been blessed. We had no breakages up until touch wood, until your head. Uh, we had no breakages up until December. Wow. December gone, so we've gone a full over a year with no breakages, and in December just gone with two. <laughs> Ruin the clean sheet. Yeah, absolutely. Properly, just just in 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 shipment in transit. In shipment in transit. Yeah. Now again, we resolved it and and made it right and stuff like that. But I mean, it's 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 a it's a concern. I mean, and you're shipping everything from a single glass worth a five or two, a bottle of Middleton worth several thousand euros, and mm. and, and everything in between. So it's a concern. Yes, I have seen, as I was saying, from a professional point of view, I've seen bottles make it all the way to Singapore, no problem, but I've had uh, 17 boxes break on the way to Wicklow. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, and, uh, you I, I mean, you have the conversations, I mean, the sales reps, I mean, God bless them, they, they must have necks of steel. I mean, they come in here and they'll promise everything. I mean, yes, of course, we'll take up most care. And you put, I mean, us as, as the company, we put this way up and fragile and everything on the box, but it's a waste. Like, they just, you can see them loading the van in and it's just getting their feet and they're shoving it in with their feet and they're slamming it. Sorry, so you wouldn't mind just taking the box, the, the valuable bottle out of the doorway before you slam the door shut, please. Yeah. So that's, that's a, it's a big one. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, thankfully, the majority of the bottles are making it anyway, so that's yeah. that's always good news. Um, and I noticed uh, as we walked in here as well, there's a, a good few uh, charity bottling or charity, I suppose, auction lots going as well, which is uh, quite interesting. Yeah, we that was something we 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 the first one happened by we were asked to do it. Um, so uh, Great Northern Distillery, there was a young lady, um, Zoe. Uh, Murphy, she was uh, quadriplegia of spasticity or something like that, or, or I could can't remember the exact technical term, but she was uh, very unwell. She needed surgery in the US. They were trying to raise funds for that. GND very generously offered to donate some bottles to them, and they said, "Look, would you be interested in auctioning them off the firstborn bottle?" So they were first liquid out of GND. We said yes, we'd be delighted to do it, and and whatever commissions or fees are involved we'll throw them in the kitty too it went well it went 2200 euros again generously uh, john teeling himself the day we went to present the check and john teeling himself matched it on the day so that was four and a half thousand that was raised uh, through that for for the little lady so we just said look we have a platform here to do something we have a platform here to to give something back um, we're blessed and 
both myself, Katie, and our kids are all blessed with our health. Life is good, so let's try and see if we can we can give something back. So we throw it threw it open to brands, to individuals, to anybody really. Give us something, something unique that can be a little bit different that isn't generally available in in the local off license. Let us auction it off. We'll donate all the proceeds to, to charity. We'll donate commissions to charity from that item. And uh, it's worked. And to date, we've, I think, five and a half thousand euro raised. You know, everything from individual bottles to a, a, a bespoke to a glass with a nice piece of artwork with it. Teelings were involved. Middleton were involved. Give us a, a 2019 bottle before it was even actually on the market at the time. Um, so we've had good support, but we're always looking for more. I mean, again, I'll, I'll use this opportunity and, and flog that, that, you know, even if individuals have something, I'm sure everybody's familiar with Omar Bazell and his, his fantastic moustache that he had. Uh, but as part of his fundraising, he was given a bottle of whiskey and he contacted us and asked us, would we would we auction it off? Because we have the platform to do it. We did. And, and again, it raised more funds for the charity that he was shaving his moustache for thank god that he was shaving it but there's a lot of hate for that moustache he did get a lot of <laughs> some of it was undeserved most of it wasn't but some of it was undeserved and I if, mean, I, if anyone out there has not checked out omar's page of that's Dram good it's uh it's both worth a look for his his whiskey insights and also to check out the moustache i'm sure the social media <laughs> photos i'm sure they're there they're there forever in a day i mean you can't undo that stuff he could shave the moustache but it's the photographs are, are proof that he, he did grow it in the first place. So, I mean, it's always going to be there to haunt him. So we say to people, you know, anybody who's got something a bit unique, we have been contacted by a few people, a few brands have contacted us. Look, it's, I'm not saying it, it's it's a little thing. It's by no means a little thing. We can raise funds for, for the various charities. People come to us, they say, look, I want to raise money for this charity we say right give us the item we'll look after it we'll contact the, the charity make sure it's okay to use their names i mean we've had instances uh, unicef we were given a bottle for to raise funds for unicef and understandably unicef didn't want unicef plastered all over a, a, an alcohol-based uh, platform so we didn't use it but we just mentioned that the money was going towards that but other companies, uh, the likes of Pieta House or the Capuchin Day Care Centre. I mean, Capuchin Day Centre get good support. Pieta House get good support. So we, we, and we can do the help we will. Fantastic. So one of my final questions is I, I look around this room full of, like literally chock full. <laughs> Spin around in this chair, there's even more behind me. The kind of the last thing I'm wondering is like, where, where does it all come from? Are, are you seeing... Uh, you know, obviously there's individuals who just have a bottle here or there, but I'm sure there's lots of, you know, house clearances and, and uh, you know, if there's, um, you know, storage units that have been bought or, or things like that. Like, where do you, do you ever get to see or learn where they come from? Or? All of the above. Literally all of every thing that you mentioned there, we've probably done. So we've had everything from, unfortunately, a gentleman may have passed away. We've had one. Uh, then the northern a gentleman passed away he had collected whiskey his whole life um his, his his elderly wife was left with this stuff she was downsizing the house and and didn't know what to do with it and, and in most instances it's too big for an individual to undertake so they contacted us we've had a few of them now of house clearances where we go in and we sort of give best advice i mean 
I'll always be honest with people. I don't. There's no nothing to be gained by being dishonest with people. So I will go in and say, well, look, this is worth twenty euros, but this could be worth more. This could be worth more. Cumulatively, in a lot of instances, if it was only lying there, and I'm, it's sad at times to see a, a, a person's lifelong collection just sitting there. And 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 in that, actually, one of the cases, it was just excuse me, shoved away in an attic. You know, you can imagine he had collected it his whole life and, and took pride in it. And, you know, through no fault of his or nothing against his wife or anybody else, but it, it just gets lost. So I think that's one of the things as well that I, we, we were sort of actively saying to people is drink the damn stuff. You know, drink whiskey, sit around, socialise with it, talk to people. Crack it open with uh, friends. Crack it open with friends. I mean, that's what it's about. I hope, and, and I do actively do it myself, is open bottles of whiskey and say, look, have it with me dad. Have 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 it with, drink with people, you know. The whiskey won't won't always be there. My dad always won't be there, you know. So do these things and, exactly. and, and enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's there. Absolutely. But um, we've then got people sending us bottles from Ireland, from out of outside of Ireland. You get strange statements from people, you know, I've got... I've got this bottle here. What's it worth? And I've I was given this as a gift. What's it worth? And I've it, it seems to be have changed a wee bit more towards that of what's it worth? What's it worth? Because everybody's sort of seen the headlines of, of certain bottles going for certain prices. You, you, you there's a bit of everything. I mean, I always maintained when I started the business that how many houses around the country? I remember me own going up and you know the good bottle of whiskey from when the priest came round or from when you know the good relatives that that, that came round. Um, some of the high-end bottles that we've sold, I mean, we sold a uh, Middleton 1988, they had it under the kitchen sink. They literally had it under the kitchen sink, didn't know what they had. Somebody mentioned them to about our website. They came to me and sort of said, you know, w- w- what's this? It was a 1988 bottle of Middleton. We ended up selling for €12,000. They didn't know what they had under the kitchen sink beside the bottle of Jeff. You know, how, how easy it could be. I think one of the funniest things, I, I was over in the west of Ireland not doing anything whiskey related in a pub and I was ordering whiskey with one of my friends and you know two of us in our our mid-twenties ordering different whiskeys as we kind of went along and some lad came up to me and said do you guys know about whiskey and not a little bit of right yeah and he go do you you know anything uh, about DWD whiskey and I went oh yeah you know good you know it was a Dublin brand kind of reinvigorated recently and it's quite quite unique I actually think their packaging is, is Stunning. Yeah. Anyone listens to this podcast knows I have a soft spot for packaging. And he goes, Yeah, yeah. And I went, Yeah, you know, reinvigorated there a couple of years ago. Nice packaging. He went, No, 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 not, not that DWD. He goes, Do you know the original DWD? Yeah. And I went, Yeah. And he goes, Do you know the many bottles of those around? And I went, I think, like, I think, I think I know, you know, Willie Ahern has one yeah. in the glass, in a bulletproof case <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the Palace Bar. And I think, Really, that's the only one I know that's really in public. And I went, No, not really. He goes, I've got two in my shed and I'm wondering should I bring them in out of the cold? And I'm like, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, you should. Actually, go home now. Don't just put the pint down. Go. And he was just so casual. He was like, yeah, so, uh, and um, yeah, he invited his friend the next day, went into the shed, literally proper yeah. shed. I, I didn't expect in the West of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he went in and in some, in some box, he just pulled out these two original bottles of DWD he went, so I should bring these inside. Yes. yes. And inside, he had a whole 
bleeding cabinet of new whiskies you buy off the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, mm, take them out, put them in the shed, put yeah. them in there. Uh, <laughs> but this is the thing, you've stuff hidden around that's everywhere. A, that's a, and I mean, it, <laughs> one step further, there was a parochial house cleared in Cork, I believe. I, I remember finding it when in the research for this for this business. Uh, there was a parochial house cleared in, uh, I think it might have been West Cork somewhere. And there was over 600 bottles of drink taken out of it. So you can imagine the prestige that a priest was held in, in in rural Ireland. He wouldn't have been given a bottle of Powers or a bottle of Jemson. He would have been given a bottle of Middleton or, or something with a, a, a bit of prestige attached to it. And if he didn't drink, you know, he had bottles and bottles of cognacs and ports and sherries and all that sort of stuff. 600 bottles. And I, and I reckon it's replicated around the country. It, it's probably... Every house, I mean, every, I'm from the country, out in the country. Every house would have had a good bottle of whiskey. The same as they had the good sitting room. They had a good bottle of whiskey, you know. This is a good place. This this is, good exactly. China. That's, it was brought out. Yeah. Don't go near that sitting room. Yeah, exactly. You can only, and you always knew something important was happening when yeah. the good sitting room was Yeah, when well, the door was open and the fire was lit, you went, I put this like a fridge the rest of the night. What's going on in there? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and, and that bottle of 88 Middleton, when I explained to them, the lady on the phone, she phoned me and she said, we, we have this bottle. And I said, do you know what it is? And she said, no. And I said, it's a fairly valuable bottle. I said, we've sold one recently. At the time, we'd not long sold one for 9,800. And she was, you're messing with me. And I'm no, no, I'm serious. The very next day, they drove to Dundalk to come in to see, was I some sort of shyster that was operating out of their garden shed? And when they sort of came in and seen the infrastructure we had here, she sort of felt a wee bit more at ease about giving me this bottle. The night the auction ended, and it sold for 12,000, whatever it did in the end, she phoned me in tears, literally in tears. Is that real? And I said, yeah. She said, I know you're messing. And I said, no, no, that's what it sold for. No, 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 no. I said, no, really, that's what it sold for. And she just couldn't believe it. So how many of them, how many 88s, how many... You know, old how many, bottles. How many, how many families had a pioneer that absolutely. had had bottles for, for, for guests? Absolutely. absolutely. And there's loads of them. I really do think. Or the other one is, how many rural pubs closed down? I mean, we were in Donegal there not too long ago, myself and Kate, for a, a dirty night away. The amount of old bars closed down. The stuff that must be in them. I mean, stuff that was forgotten about. Middleton Collections. We have now sold a couple of Middleton Collections. And one of them was from a guy who just bought a bottle every year and stuck it away. Just happened to buy one every year. Great investment. I think I, I done the sums. I think it cost about three thousand euro over the thirty five years. Sold for, for just shy of forty grand. I don't think that's not a bad return. No, I I'd be happy enough. Most people could as well. And interestingly, the two bottles of DWD I was talking about came from a closed pub. Yeah. Your man, he yeah. said he was some neighbour or something. So he closed down the pub. Do you want anything out of it? Yeah. He said, I don't know. He said, give me 40 quid for the two of them. Your man, grand, yeah. yeah. Off you go. When, when you think about it, the amount of pubs that were bonders. So you have all these bars with their own own brand, their own name on the bottles. How many is out there? The concern is there's also lots of empties out there. And labels. And labels. And I mean, a, a guy showed me recently uh, eBay. He, he was on eBay and he could buy, you know, bundles of labels and even the foil caps, which is terrifying. I mean, really terrifying because that's the other end of the spectrum. It's great for collectors. It's great to be able to get the stuff. It's great to be able to mirrors. I mean, even mirrors have been counterfeited now. I mean, 
Willie Ahern, who we've mentioned a few times in this podcast, I mean, he's got some fabulous mirrors in the park, but, you know, he's he knows what he's looking for now. You'd have other ones who, who me, to a point, I mean, I'd be looking at a mirror and I'm going, how do I know it's real or how do I know it's genuine? And again, through the network we've built up, a few of the guys have went, this is how you can tell or look at the depth of the, the glass, look at, look at the shine, look at the patina, look at the various things, but... It's, it's all terrifying. It's, it's all there. And one, one of the funny things, I think, is uh, when you're looking, particularly mirrors, there are, I won't, I won't really call them counterfeit, but like repop, like yeah. reproduction mirrors, yeah. but from ages ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so like in one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia was, again, we talked about pioneers. My grandmother was a pioneer and my uncle in, I don't know, the 70s, a pub closed in Dublin and he went in and bought every mirror on the wall and he used to go around car boot sales just selling these mirrors yeah. and the only mirror that was left and it was literally again like clearing out the house or whatever and my dad found this mirror and he brought it home went here this it says it says <laughs> you like drink don't you yeah he said it's a jameson on it so he goes there you go you'd like that it wasn't john jameson it was a william jameson mirror <laughs> and i nearly lost my mind and anyway like you said and i called up very much the same people that you called up and my mirror was a reproduced mirror from like 1929 or something yeah. But it was hilarious because it was a... A reproduced original mirror. Well, but, old mirror, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we had one recently, I think it was a Jemson or, or a Paddy or something like that, and it was the same sort of thing, that it was from the 60s or from the 50s, but it wasn't... It was a replica of a, a previous incarnation of yeah. the mirror. I mean, when you... But then when you... I mean, you've got places that like the Palace Bar or if you go down to uh, the Friend at Hand or, or the, the Duke of York, I mean... You can just lose days standing in the place, just looking around like a buffoon with your jaw on the ground, going, you know, pointing like a like a twelve year old and, and going, I want, I want, I want, and it's it, it, Willie Jack uh, in in Belfast. I mean, what he's created there is phenomenal, really phenomenal. One of my favorite memories of recent times is um, going up to Belfast for Belfast Whiskey Week and uh, heading into the <laughs> the Duke of York at night time on a Friday or Saturday night and seeing it heaving with people surrounded <laughs> like like ceiling walls but they're doors. oblivious a lot yeah. of the people who are in there yeah. are just oblivious to what's around them I mean you've got so many little nooks and crannies in the place little uh, hatches that he's that they've filled Paul and, and, and Willie have filled with stuff and you just go that's fantastic go over to the dark horse or go over to the harp uh, across the road and the mirrors and what they've done in there is just phenomenal. I mean, you know, they've they've created something special. I mean, I've had a few conversations with Willie Jack and he he's so passionate about So I was gonna say he confirmed he's not selling his mirrors. Oh <laughs> are you making he doesn't sell anything. Anything. I I'm I think the, the the friend at hand is probably one of the few off license, if that's what you want to call it, in the country that doesn't sell alcohol. I think they'll sell it. I think there's a few miniature bottles up the front that they will sell. Everything else is just there for pure viewing pleasure. It's not for drinking. How dare you drink that stuff? You're just welcome into his private collection. Oh, You're allowed to walk around. It's phenomenal. And he's he's making it bigger. Uh, there's, there's plans afoot to, to, to go in next door and, and, and make it much bigger. I mean... But why isn't it more celebrated? I mean, we've got we've got our one um, uh, the the whiskey museum in Dublin, for example, Dundalk, and I only had a conversation today. Behind you on the floor, there's a load of McCardle memorabilia. 
McCardle Moor. So um, McCardle's, this brewery that we're in, the compound that we're in, was the old McCardle Moor brewery. And why isn't the heritage celebrated, shouted from the rooftops, that, you know, Dundalk has a massive brewing heritage. We had one of the biggest distilleries in the country, the Malcolm Brown Distillery here in, in the country. We've got streets called Distillery Lane and stuff like that. The We've, Brewery Cafe. The Brewery Cafe. Um, <laughs> you've got John Teeling reinvigorating the Great Northern Brewery. I mean, again, they were things that were going to be lost. I mean, John Teeling and, and, and GND, what they're doing over there by, by bringing it back is phenomenal. I mean, it was just going to be let rot. Like, you know, a lot of the other breweries that are around the country. I mean, look at Smithwick's in, in Kilkenny and all these other places that they were just were pulling out. You know, I, I know there were business decisions and they have to make them, but... Uh, Mark Rainey and Waterford's uh, yeah, distillery was yeah, formerly the, yeah, the yeah. Diageo brewery. Even, even I mean, you look at Drogheda, you, you know, where, where Boan is based. I mean, you've got a huge brewing and distilling heritage there as well, Preston's. And, and we're not, it's not done right. I think we're missing a trick. I really do think we're missing a trick to, to sell you know, uh, distilling Ireland or, or, or brewing Ireland or, you know, the whiskey trail or, you know, if that's done right or done differently, shall we say, it should be celebrated. And part of what I was bumbling about was I'm collecting loads of McCarty Moore stuff. So we got some lovely stuff. Got a tie, uh, uh, just a, a normal tie for a person has McCarty Moore on it, a baseball cap, pencils with it. I mean, all of this was done for the brands and it was lost. So I think we should be celebrating more. Pierce Lyons is, is back here brewing beside us in, in the brewery business park. No, shout from the rooftops. We're bringing brewing back to Dundalk. We've, we, you've got something. You've really got something. Which we're good at. We're, we're, we're notorious alcoholics all around the world. Why not boast the fact that we can make the stuff as well as drink it? We are pretty famous for making the stuff as well as drinking. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, I think it's you, you go to America, you go to these places, and they're sort of, oh, yeah, the Irish can drink like hell. We ask them about the breweries and Guinness. That's about the only one, or Jameson. At least we've had something to share about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I think this is a, a pretty a pretty good time to uh, wind down now. I very much appreciate uh, you giving me your time. No um, if people were to be looking for you both from a website point of view, but then also social media point of view, where should they be looking? It's literally just it does what it says in the tin. It's Irish whiskey auctions. Um, so all our social media platforms are all built around Irish whiskey auctions. You'll find us there. The website is irishwhiskeyauctions.com or .ie. And it's, it's hopefully if anybody has any feedback on, on wanting to talk to us, pick up the phone, ring us, email us. Drop Myself in. and Katie. Yeah, drop in. I mean... I have offered to make people tea and coffee. We do have a bit of whiskey lying about that's open. Um, <laughs> that belongs to you and not, yeah, not, not, the, the, not the customer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people wouldn't mind. An old pearl there or something like that, we exactly. can crack it open. But uh, yeah, we've got we've got some stuff and uh, we, we, we welcome people. Welcome people to see what we're doing, to engage with us. I mean, talk to us and, and, and uh, kick it on a wee bit. I think, I think that's the thing. I mean, not, not, not just from a selfish point of view with, with Irish whiskey auctions, but just... The whole whiskey thing. I mean, we really got to get us back to where we belong. I mean, we were leaders of the world in Irish whiskey, so in, in whiskey. So let's get us back up there. Absolutely. So, guys, if you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure to like, share and subscribe and invite your friends. Uh, leave a review on your 
lovely podcast stores and that's always beautifully helpful to help other people in the world find our podcast if you want to find us online you can find me at potstill.com and social media on instagram and twitter at potstilled underscore then facebook facebook.com forward slash potstilled this has been a very enjoyable podcast and beautiful first of the year 2020 anthony sheehy of irish whiskey oceans i have had a wonderful time uh, i hope you've had too and to everyone listening i say gurmila magath and uh, thanks very much thank you thanks matt